the college football experience Baylor Bears 2023 season preview episode on the Sports Gamblet Podcast Networks brought to you by Edge Boost. Yes, Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com uh slash edge to get started today, folks. We're also brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Yes, Bird Dog Shorts, uh, the world's greatest shorts, are hooking you up with a free Yeti style tumbler. When you head over to birddogs.com slash pool, that's birddogs.com slash pool. And remember, as always, folks, to let it ride. Hey, this is Bill Romanowski. You're listening to SGPN. Let it ride. Excited to talk Baylor Bear football and uh, you know Dave Aran and the Bears. I know they're coming off a tough year, but look, he he once coached with Mike Leach. He's a Mike Leach guy. We're a Mike Leach guy. Rest in peace to the Godfather, our friend uh, Mike One Leach. Perhaps you're wondering just who the hell you're listening to. Well, my name is Colby Swiggin, database Dan, aka Pick Dundee. That's not a pick. This is a pick. He was raised in the land down under. A man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists, and lives by his wits. When Dundee happened, he was a superstar. I'm probably drinking too much and celebrating too much and not sleeping. Uh, would have killed a normal man, but nah, nah, that's gone. The medical advice I got from that was, was like being hit by lightning. Pretend it never happened and get on with your life. And you're nothing but a chameleon, lemon-headed, coward, terrorist pussy. And I'm after you, buddy. You're going to pay for it. Good night. (laughs) Yes, it's always great to talk Baylor Bear football. This is a team that, in my mind, they won a national championship back in 1900 when they had an undefeated season. All right? It might be. It might have been 123 years, but Dave Aranda says we can do it again if it happened once. It can happen again. And I am joined by this is uh, someone I'm, I'm excited to have on the show. He is a Baylor ba- Bear fan himself, uh, him and his family, I believe. And look, this guy is going to be the host, one of the hosts of the brand new Big 12 College Experience, which is a podcast that is coming and uh, it'll be announced. Uh, I think the first episode will be around right after uh 4th of July. So I'm honored to have him on and we're honored to move the college experience name over to, we, we're going to have just like the, the ESPN has the sec and, and ACC network. We're going to have the big 12 college experience. And I give you Troy tuning. How you doing Troy? And appreciate you coming on the show to talk Baylor bear football, man. What's going on Colby. Uh, seems like a very hopeful year for the bears. There, uh, there's a lot of games that are almost, you know, like 50, 50 or 40 kind of games that if things fall away, they could set that seven and a half. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I saw you jotting that you had a notebook, you were jotting stuff down on paper, which I always like to see. And that's kind of been the thing I think with, with the Baylor bears before we, you know, I guess before we dive into, you know, really everything here is that Baylor is a team that just a couple of years ago, won the big 12, two years ago. And you look back at last year, at one point they were uh, six and three, they lose their final four games, they end up six and seven. But you, if you really dive into it, they were not that bad of a team. Like you go back, they have this crazy overtime loss at BYU where their kicker can't make a field goal. Uh, you go back to the West Virginia game on the Thursday night at in Morgantown was a winnable game. They end up dropping by three. The TCU game, oh man, the TCU game when the the fire drill where they, they you know TCU basically runs out the kicker and the special teams and they kick a last second field goal. They had that game pretty much won. Uh, so I, I, I think they were a lot better than their final record indicates, you know, judging from a year ago, would you agree with that? Yeah. I, uh, I would even venture to say in that Oklahoma state game, I think they ended up losing by 11, but they kept getting back to like eight points and then turning the football over. So that's another one, you know, the ball doesn't bounce out. It could be a tie game and maybe they lose in overtime or maybe they win almost that- a 50, 50 on four or five games on the schedule. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just seems like they, they just had a, a tough, a tough year there because they definitely better than their final record. And uh, look folks, hopefully you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. Cause we're breaking down all 133 college football teams with the solo podcast, just like we do each and every single year. And we are going to be talking about everything Baylor, you know, from the transfer portal to uh, offense, defense, special teams. And then we're going to go game by game on their schedule and, and c- try to project, which is incredibly hard in the, the new big 12, adding four teams in that are good football programs in Houston, UCF, BYU and Cincinnati. I think this, this conference is super compelling, uh, which is why, you know, we wanted to spin off and have the big 12 college football and college basketball and college baseball, just the big 12 experience. Um, but before we, uh, we dive into Baylor bear football for 2023, I want to tell you that the college football experience, Baylor bear previews brought to you by edge boost edge boost is the world's first bet. Now pay later visa card. Yes. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which can be an extremely valuable tool. If you're like me where like, you know, maybe uh, go, you go out uh, to Vegas week one, week two college football. And you know, I, I remember some heartbreak losses and some heart, some great wins, but I, I've definitely had a loss or two before where I was totally expecting the win. We've all had a horrible beat before you're totally expecting to win. And then you're going to put, you're going to use that money to bet on more games. And all of a sudden you don't have anything. You say shit. Well, you know, then you end up calling your brother. Hey dude, can you Venmo me $200 or, you know, next thing you know, you're making another transaction, uh, you know, throwing more money into your account. Your wife's calling you. Hey, I thought you were only betting $400. What's this a thousand dollars that you're You know, you, you, th- th- there's other ways around this thing. And I think that's, what's so cool about edge boost. Uh, imagine what you can do with an increased bankroll. You could uh, get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months. Uh, double down on a favorite bet you like, or perhaps even create an awesome middle or even hedge. That's absolutely disgusting. We don't advise for that on SGPN, but it may be you're a different person. You like to do that, but look, Edge Boost. Here's what's great. They're not some sleazy loan shark waiting for you to leave. You know the the dry cleaner so they can break your fucking nose. All right, like this. This is why gambling is so much safer now. All right, they charge zero percent interest. 
So if you took out that 20 before, you know, you end up going down that hole and next thing you know, the interest is crazy and you're never going to get out of that hole. You're owned forever, you know, uh, unless you hit the lotto or something before, you know, that's, that's how bad it was. Now it's legal things like this, zero interest. I've never heard of anything like that before. It's, it's honestly a great company, zero interest. So you can just, okay. And what's great is they can be a part of a responsible gambling plan that you can set up daily, weekly, monthly limits across all your betting accounts, all in one place. So support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. Once again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. Must be 21 years or older to use problem with gambling call 1 800 gambler. All right, we are back on the college football experience talking Baylor Bear football. I am super, super excited to, uh, to see really the, the new big 12 I, and, and I, you know, I'm here with Troy tuning and you know, he is going to be, he is a host on the big 12 college experience, which will be coming out uh, right around 4th of July, right after 4th of July. So make sure you subscribe to that folks, depending on what time you're listening to this, get on over there, subscribe and uh, give them a follow and a five-star review, all that good stuff. But what one thing that I find super interesting heading into the big 12 season is a lot of teams are really good. Now they don't have like you, you, you look at the, uh, you know, the ACC and you say, well, they got Clemson. They've only won like 10 of 11, I feel like, or five of six, whatever the number is off the top of my head, uh, ACC championship. So you have that tier pack 12. It seems like, uh, you know, you got Utah and USC on that tier right now. Uh, may- maybe there's Washington and, and Oregon state and they're probably the second most compelling to me. The SEC, it seems like Georgia or Bama. Um, uh, did did you see Utah in the Pac-12? Oh, that's a good point. Not for they, long. Yeah, that's a great point. There we go. As Dion says, we coming. Perhaps uh, Utah, uh, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State all speculated the four corners potentially joining the Big Twelve. That's something we're going to be trying to follow this offseason. Also, there's the Big Twelve's got rumblings. I've heard everything. I've heard oh, the ACC teams, Virginia Tech, Pitt might end up. I've heard UConn. I've heard Memphis. I've heard UNLV. I've heard Boise State. I've heard San Diego State. As far as I'm concerned, everybody's in the Big Twelve now, right? Now just let the whole fucking country in. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have a 32 team <laughs> conference. <laughs> yeah, stay one step ahead of them. I, uh, you know, what is it in Austin Powers when uh, he's he's playing blackjack? Uh, in the first Austin powers and the guy's got like 18 and he can read Robert Wagner. He can read through the card and he sees that the next uh, numbers a, a two. So he's like hitting and, and, the, and the dealer's like, wait, you want to hit on 18? He's like, yes, I like to live dangerously. And then it goes to Mike Myers, AKA Austin powers. And he's like, he's, he stays on a four. He stay. He's got four showing, and he's like, "No, yeah, I too, I too like to live dangerously, right?" So maybe the Big Twelve will just say, "Hey, you know what? You guys are doing sixteen team conferences. Fuck it, let's go with thirty-two. Let's go with thirty-two. But uh, no, uh, I honestly find this conference super compelling because I, it's really hard to forecast. Like the difference between uh, you know one to to fourteen is." pretty, pretty thin in my opinion, more so than any other conference. So Dave Aranda enters year three. Now look, he's 20 and 16 as a head coach. Uh, he enters year four, by the way, um, 20 and 16, you say, eh, you know, but at the same time, you got to remember his first year was the COVID year, incredibly hard for first year coaches during the COVID year. And you know, this guy turned down 
LSU came calling. A lot of people speculated that he was LSU was interested in you. No, I'm cool with Baylor. Uh, what what do you make of the Dave Aranda experience so far? Uh, anything in the Big Twelve that's going to give you any kind of like defensive improvement at all, you have to be pretty ecstatic with it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. There's so many Central America spread offense quarterbacks that just you know the second and third and quarterback Big Twelve can still sling it. It's going to come down to, you know, one or two stops or one or two turnovers from the defense. And we've kind of seen a huge improvement for Baylor in the Dave Aranda three years so far. Lose a lot of D backs, but I still think you're going to see them continue that defensive push. Yeah. Yeah. And I apologize. I know we had, we had some technical difficulties there on hearing you, but I think what you were saying is all these close games. You know, uh, you got great quarterback play. Even your backups coming in, and I think you know uh, you don't have to look that far with Blake Shapin, the way he came in as a freshman and played well and won won you guys a Big Twelve championship. Uh, I want to key in on the portal here. Um, departing from the transfer portal are some big names. There's some big names. Uh, wide receiver Jalen Ellis went to the Colorado Buffaloes, and Deion Sanders, uh, kicker Noah Rauschenberg. Uh, went to North Texas. Running back Craig Williams went to La Tech. Uh, these ones were huge here. Cornerback Lorando Johnson went to Arkansas, and same with second leading tackler Al Wal- Walcott went to Arkansas. Those are two big losses. Offensive lineman Micah Mazakua, I think it is, uh, went to the Florida Gators. This guy that got reps too played. Those are big losses. Backup quarterback Kyron Drones went to Virginia Tech, where he might be starting in Blacksburg. Safety Devin Neal also to the Louisville Cardinals. Wide receiver Seth Jones to South Florida, and wide receiver Josh Fleeks to Nebraska. I don't really care about the wide receivers, even though I know some of them had production. I think the big losses there are offensive line and the defensive backfield. I think those are the ones where you just say, huh, what were you going to say? Losing four defensive backs and three of them starters all going Arkansas is pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, I was was also going to mention, you know, they, they really concentrate on linebacker play. So keep a lot of the linebackers is what we're going to focus on. But those three that went to Arkansas are going to be really, really hard to place. In a way, you guys kind of did like a trade because I know you brought in uh, Ketron Jackson, Katron uh, Jackson. Is it? I, I forget. But uh, the wide receiver from Arkansas that played really good last year. Um, you brought him in. He's going to start at wide receiver. So uh, you also brought in a lot of quarterback depth. Sawyer Robertson, who played with Mike Leach, uh, played for Mike Leach uh, at Mississippi State. Also, R.J. Martinez, who I watched uh, in the Big Sky with the Lumberjacks of Northern Arizona. So quarterback depth is there now. It seems like Shapin still the guy though after spring. Uh, then you bring in Isaiah Dunson, a cornerback from Miami. Obviously, Miami wasn't great on the defensive side of the ball a season ago, but perhaps a diamond in the rough with Dunson. Then you got the Barrington brothers. Look, we, I know you guys have heard of the bash brothers, McGuire and Canseco, but the Barrington brothers, they, they'll, they'll put the bash brothers on their ass. Campbell Barrington at offensive tackle and, uh, and Clark Barrington, both coming in from BYU. Now that one, that those are two big gets to me because Jeff Grimes was previously the offensive coordinator at BYU. And I believe he was the O line coach too. Um, so getting two guys that I think are going to be, he, he knew 
that these guys could play. So I think those that those are pretty big gets on the offensive line. Then linebacker Mike Smith from Liberty, who is a projected starter. He was really good at Liberty a season ago. Kicker Jack Stone from Michigan State. Katron Jackson, as I, I mentioned, from Arkansas State. And then Dominic Richardson from Oklahoma State. Now the irony here is I believe this was the runner that was a half a yard short in that uh, that uh, Big 12 championship game just two years ago. Dominic Richardson though had some success running in Stillwater. Tight end Jake Roberts also comes in. Jake the Snake Roberts coming in from North Texas. Uh, linebacker uh, Byron Vaughns from Utah State. Utah State had a sneaky good defense last year. Uh, defensive end Trevin. Uh, oh my, my uh, a. I'm trying to. He's a Polynesian, I would imagine. Um, uh, from Oregon comes in, and then a Johnny Carter, another corner from Utah State. Overall, though when grading the portal and saying, if you're a winner or a loser uh, in the portal, like I see the Barrington brothers who I expect to start. I see Mike Smith, who I think will start at linebacker. We know Jackson, the Arkansas kid will start at wide out. Uh, Dominic Richardson has a chance to start at running back. I think he might. Um, when you consider all that, then you're like, okay, we might have won the portal despite losing all those guys in the secondary. How would you grade that? You think they won the transfer portal or lost the transfer portal? Uh, I think I would give them like a a six and a half out of ten or like a seven out of ten, just slightly over uh, average. Or so I think they, with Shapen coming back, it's really good for them to kind of bolster up the offense and just hope that the defensive culture is what guys that you're bringing in pick up on. Because having, I mean, Richard Reese and Dom Richardson is that's going to be an awesome one-two punch out of the backfield, and the way they like to use motion and everything, they'll probably catch you know, 30, 40 passes as well. Yeah, and Richard Reese, what he ran for nine hundred seventy-two yards a season ago, fourteen touchdowns, just about five yards a carry. They also have Quaylen Jones back there too, so the backfield is is incredibly, incredibly loaded. I would say for uh, Baylor this upcoming year. Uh, let's look more into that offense because it seems like Shapin's going to be the. This is a guy that started a lot of games as a, a few games as a freshman, and then all, obviously all his sophomore season uh, last year he started. He enters his junior season to have a quarterback come back with that many starts. I think is is a bonus, and you got deeper at the position in a way. Before you know, last year was him and Drones. I, I think adding Martinez and Robertson make it. So you're, you're very deep at that position. As far as guys that have started, I know Sawyer Robertson. I don't know if he started any games cause Will Rogers was the guy, but I, I know that he's got a lot of experience playing uh, in, in the air raid there with Leach. And then you add Martinez who started a, a lot of games at NAU. So I think you're, you're pretty deep at the quarterback position. You're deep at the running back position, the wide receiver position. Like I said, you add Jackson from Arkansas, you got Presley, how Presley and uh, Monterey Baldwin coming back. Yeah. I, I think the wide receiver positions good. Now you get to the offensive line. And that is to me, the red flag on the offense is you're bringing back just one of five in Gavin and left guard, uh, Gavin Byers, but you got the Barrington brothers coming in. So you can make an argument and be like, Hey, we're going to have three of five back with starting experience. But I still say it's gotta be, if you had to highlight one part of the offense that you're concerned about, I think it would, e- I would think it would be the offensive line. And and I think the other thing would be, can shape and improve as a passer, you know, can he be, uh, can he take the next step forward? Where do you think the, the big question mark relies on, on offense? Way that, well, 
you would hope that with Blake Shapin's experience, having guys out of five with starting star experience themselves, you would hope by year three that he could at least help out on the plus percentage side, calling chicks and helping out knowing blitz coming and being around in the league for a while. But the red flag is going to be Blake Shapin, I believe. The what they seem to do in the transfer portal is instead of counting on him to improve, they've just given him more wins in hopes that everyone else around him, you know, playing a little bit at a higher level brings him up. And I don't think that's a really bad plan. I think banking on his experience and knowledge over strictly physical or athletic playmaking is 100% the right call. And with the schedule they have, I don't, I don't know if you're going to get a chance to see a, uh, a second or third string quarterback play anything out of garbage time until halfway through the season. Even if Blake Shapin struggles, it won't be in the few weeks. Yeah. And I think Grimes is continuity with the offense. That's a, that's another thing that they didn't have prior as much, you know, now he's more experienced knowing the players he has. They were 38th in scoring offense a season ago, 42nd in rush offense, 68th in pass offense, 44th in total offense. So even with that last year, they were not a bad offensive team. If they can take the next step forward, uh, perhaps they could be playing for a big 12 championship yet again. Now on the defensive side of the ball, um, I'm intrigued. Ron Roberts, their defense coordinator uh, was dismissed. I believe he's now at Auburn with Hugh strip club freeze, but um, n- now they, they bring in uh defensive old, but new, if that makes sense. Uh, Matt Polich comes in from Oregon. He was with the ducks, but prior to last year being at Oregon with the ducks, he was in, he was with Dave Aranda at Baylor in 2020 and 21 as a special teams coach and safeties coach. So in a way going back to a guy and I, look, I love this guy. Cause he was a fullback. He was a fullback at college at Sam Houston state. But um, so they're switching defensive coordinators. They're going back to you know their defense was better two years ago as opposed to last year. Um, from a number standpoint, last year 68th in scoring defense, 61st in rush defense, 61st in pass defense, balance 57th in total defense. So for Dave Aranda, who's a defensive guy, I don't think he's happy with those numbers, and that's probably why you let Roberts go. The question is, is can Pulich step in in year one? and really be able to correct those things. They bring back two of three on the defensive line led by TJ Franklin and Gabe hall, uh, two or three in the linebacking room. I'm actually really excited about the linebacking position because you bring back Matt Jones and Garmin Rudolph, uh, or I'm sorry, Garmin Randolph from a year ago. And then Mike Smith was a stud at Liberty. So I think getting him to transfer it, I think the linebacking core stands out to me as the position of, uh, you know, the, the dominant position here on this defense. Now the secondary, which you alluded to earlier in the portal, losing all those guys, those starters, this is where it gets interesting. Cause they bring back just one of five in the secondary and that's safety Devin uh, Lemire. But I I've been reading up. Uh, I watched the spring game. I know they were, uh, you know, they, they moved Bryson Jackson, who was a linebacker to safety. And I, I feel like uh, watching the spring game, they were high on him. And then cornerback Trevin Williams, the third, who was a true freshman a season ago played in every game and he's going to be a starter this year. So maybe it's not as bad as it seems when you say, Hey, just one returning starter. What do you make of the defense? And you think this is a random specialty. When I know there's defensive minded coaches that are head coaches, when they, when they lose a bunch of guys and stuff, 
I have more faith in the defense being like on, on the head coach knowing, Hey, this is my defense. I know I got this. You know what I mean? Now the offensive side of the ball, I would have question marks had they just returned a little bit of production, but I don't panic as much when I know his forte is defensive uh, defensive football. So, I mean, what, what do you make of it? And, and is the glaring weakness defensive backfield? Yeah. The glaring weakness has to be the D backs in everything else seems like it's going to be a, I assume a pretty big strength. So kind of the default defensive back are going to be the weakness. If they're not a glaring weakness, this could be a pretty dangerous game. I think, I mean, the way that Aranda, you know, they pretty much just do single gap from the linebackers and they don't, they don't blitz too much. They, they kind of what, what if calls it is passive pressure, you know, for a guy that's not used to making more than two reads down the field, start to panic. And then that's when you get your loss of huge plays, but that Smith is going to be pretty big. I think, I mean, you gotta be thinking he's loving a, his coaching style. If he's transferring there with a hope of, you know, maybe playing in the league. I don't think there are many people that do it better than Dave and hopefully the linebackers in the front can carry the defense. The only thing about the big 12 is that most defensive backs get torched anyways. So maybe them getting torched would just be more of the norm for the whole league and everything else on the ground or anything short can get stuffed up and you can get a couple of ending of possessions. Yeah. I trust Aranda will have the defense fine. I mean, look, the secondary, it is going to be certainly inexperienced. I'll say that, but um, you know, they are breaking in also a new kicker, a new punter. That's always a little tricky. I know they have the kid from Michigan state coming in, but if you're in a lot of close games that can always get tricky, um, we're going to talk game by game, the, uh, the Baylor bears schedule here. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you folks out there that the Baylor bears, 2023 season preview brought to you by bird dogs. Yes. Bird dogs make you look good. You might be wondering what the hell are you talking about? Colby well, bold bird dogs are, they have stretched khaki shorts. All right. And they're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Think Swayze roadhouse. All right. That's what they're going to get you. All right. Bird dog shorts. You know, they do the exact same thing as, as every other type of shorts, but they fit way better. All right. And they fit way better than regular shorts that are just, you know, stiff and, you know, restricting cotton, you know, bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice the movement. You know what I mean? So bird dogs uses also, this is fantastic. Anti stink sweat. Look, <laughs> so, uh, you know, come on. We've all been there where you, you, you might've went out last night, didn't make it home. Didn't get the, maybe you didn't get the shower in and you're going around and you're smelling like, like friggin', I don't know, Kiefer Sutherland. You know what I mean? You're just going around, just smelling like New Jersey. Right. And just, you, you know, you, you're like, damn, but this is what's great about bird dogs. They hide that stink. Cause they got the anti stink sweat fabric that's built into bird dogs keeps you cool and dry all day long. You're going to smell like a fucking rose. All right. So you got to check out bird dogs, go to birddogscom slash pool and enter the promo code pool uh, for a free Yeti style tumbler. They're going to give you a tumbler with your order. Come on now, folks. That's birddogscom slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. 
You won't want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you that. All right. So check them out. All right. We are back on the college football experience and hopefully you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. And you'll see the sweet ass graphic uh, d- done by Cameron Kerr. Shout out to Cameron Kerr, even though he is a Texas A and M guy used to be in the big 12, but you know, Baylor, Baylor fans can talk shit to him. I would welcome that. Um, the win total though, if you're watching on YouTube is a, uh, is seven and a half. And you know, the first thing that pops in my mind is okay. This team, in my opinion, I know you can look at the record last year and say six and seven, but they, they, they really were better than that. In my opinion, the year prior, they won the big 12 and they were 12 and two. So I, without like diving into the schedule, the first thing I see when I see seven and a half, and I know the big 12 is a gauntlet. I'm on the over just blindly, just cause I believe they were better than a year ago record wise. How about you without you looking at the schedule? Would you, your first take like, Oh yeah, we're going to hit the over. Now I know you're, you're a Baylor fan. Maybe that, maybe you take the over every year, but uh, wh- what's your first thought when you saw that? When I saw seven and a half and how many close games they lost last year, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be closer to at least eight and a half is what the the line going to be from, from Vegas. But as soon as I saw seven and a half, I was, I was on the over and yeah. um, sad. I had already looked at the schedule by the time I made that up, but I don't think too much will change my bet. Looking at the schedule. If, if not, it actually bolsters my idea that the over is probably a, a pretty good pick here. Yeah, let, let's get into it, man. Because week one, they host the Texas State Bobcats coming down from San Marcos to Waco. GJ Kenny, the new head coach in San Marcos. That's a tough game to start off. He's a brand new head coach uh, with within the FBS. He was with the FCS and in Incarnate Word a season ago. I think that's a win for Baylor in week one against the Bobcats out of the Sun Belt. How about yourself? You got to mark that one down as a win, right? I mean. If yeah. You lose that one then everything could fall apart. <laughs> Very true. Well, the next week it gets tricky because you have the Utah Utes and Kyle Whittingham, who I think is one of the most underrated coaches in America, coming into McLean Stadium in Waco, Texas. Uh this is huge though because they get them in the perfect spot. The Florida Gators come to Salt Lake City week 1 and Utah is a pretty big favorite there. I expect them to beat the Florida Gators in Salt Lake City, and then they have to hit the road. And you know, it's not every day that they get to beat the Florida Gators, so I think they'll be celebrating. It's kind of a nice spot to catch the Utah Utes. Whittingham, I think, if there's ever been a weakness of his teams, it's just when they've kind of hit the road, they haven't been as good. However, with that said, I do think Utah's the better team. I think getting them having Cameron Rising back. And everything, I got this penciled in as a loss. How about yourself? I I had this one at a forty sixty for in, like Baylor versus Utah at best. I think Baylor can win the game, but it's going to be hard to pick Cameron Rising and a second week of a whole defensive back that hasn't played together. So I would I would pencil that one in as a loss as well. With yeah. a little chance, maybe you could do the like, turn the L into like put a little curl on it. You go back and put your notes. Yeah, one of the things that stands out to me is pretty much uh, 
they don't play a road game until September 30th. So they get their first four games at home. By the way, they only play four road games of the season, which is gigantic. Might I add on me taking the over here? Uh, I, I would say this is like a 50, 50 game. I know you said 40, 60, you are at home. Utah. Now, if Utah loses to Florida, I think Utah definitely wins. Now, if they beat Florida, I think Baylor's chances of beating Utah go up. Um, I favor Utah, but I think this is a very close game. I picture I picture this like a 31 28 type of game. Uh, so it could be, it could be key down the stretch here. After that, you got this regional matchup against the long Island sharks. That's, that's a fantastic game. Um, look, that's going to be a 55 point blowout. That game should not happen. I'd love you big 12, but as much as I shit on the sec for scheduling, you know, long John silver university to play Alabama. Long Island coming to Waco, at least play someone, at least play incarnate word, Long Island coming to Waco. What's what is the connection here? I, I don't even understand Long Island. They do have Trent Green's son who starts at quarter or starts at quarterback. I, I think he's going to start again. Um, this team was terrible in the FCS a year ago. So this, we can just skip forward, right? You got, there's no way you're taking Long Island in Waco, right? Yeah. We can jump right on through this one. Yeah. So two and one, and then here's the big one. The Texas Longhorns, Quinn Ewers, you know, uh, he has gotten rid of the mullet. So Cut I don't know. If, off. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I tend to agree with you. But here we are, Texas and Baylor, the the all time series, Texas eighty, Baylor twenty eight. I'm not trying to rub that in. I hate Texas, but I do believe, like even a season ago. It, Texas struggled on the road. I look at this one. I know they're supposed to be better. Ewers, another year starting. The offensive line's way better. But the last two times they came to Waco, Baylor won. I'm giving this one to Baylor. Baylor gets it done against, uh, I think, the motivation of having Texas leave also. I think this is their last chance to say fuck you to Texas, and I love it. Give me Baylor. I storm the field fans. If you're listening to this and you're going to this, yeah. Horns down. There we go. If you're going to this game, you better be rushing the field. I don't care about the fine, the penalty. You fall in the bushes like that girl did at Auburn. You got to do it. All right. So who are you, you going here? You rush, you rush the field in this game. If you lose to long Island, you the week before <laughs> you still rush the field on this game. Exactly. Yeah. I don't care if you go, if, if you go one and 11, you're rushing the field in this one. This is the last chance to flush the toilet on the Longhorns, And I say, you got to do it. You got them winning this one. I think, I think they can win this football game. I've got the, on the 60, 40 leaning towards Baylor though, just because they're at home. And like you brought up, Texas has had problems in Waco. Uh, I don't really know how or why. I mean, the place gets loud, but it's not, you know, your traditional we're scared to take a team into Waco, Texas. But for some reason, I, I don't know. Maybe Steve has like a secret bar there that he's actually getting blasted at, and he can't really call too well. <laughs> definitely, probably the case. Uh, yeah, definitely, probably the case. I think Texas. Yeah, they they have road struggles, and I feel like until I see you can hype up Quinn Ewers all you want, you know, I think he's a solid quarterback, but I still saw him struggle on the road a lot. 
until I see him really take that step forward. I can't trust it. Give me Baylor to win. Now comes the interesting one. Their first road test when they head to the bounce house in Orlando to take on the UCF very golden Knights. Oh man. What do they call in the stadium now? Mortgage, the more FBC mortgage stadium. What the fuck is that? Um, this is a sneaky game to me. This is a sneaky game to me. And I got, I got UCF winning this one. They're brand new to the big 12. And I think Malzahn has this team. I think the BYU and UCF are the most prepared for the big 12 schedule. This is the home opener in big 12 history. I think they're going to get it done because of that. The momentum, the crowd, it's still anyone's game to me. I don't look at this and say, Oh, you know, UCF's going to smoke them. I think this is like, this is what, this is us predicting the the big 12, which is the hardest thing to do. I think in any conference this year, I got UCF winning this. You, I had this one for the same reason that the motivation for Baylor against Texas, you're, you're definitely going to see that from UCF being pumped to finally be in a power five conference and the bounce will definitely be rocking. Those guys, we're not talking about beers or anything. We go straight to bath salts down there. And uh, I wonder if the Morgan and the sponsorship is Morgan and Morgan like law company, just because they're, they're kind of based down there in Florida. But uh, I would, I would think that UCF is going to have enough to get this done. I would hope that Baylor keep it really close or maybe even take it to overtime. And if they lose that overtime game on the road, still kind of get some favoritism in the idea that, I mean, that's a more hostile environment than anywhere. That's not a blue, blue the big 12. I think you have been rocking the last decade at the, at the bounce house. So yeah. Yeah. That, and I think that, that seems, that seems like a CF win to me. Oh, of course. And it's such a letdown spot. If you do beat Texas, it's such a letdown spot. So I think UCF gets it done. I think they're sitting there at three and two and then they come home for the butt bowl. Texas Tech, Baylor, and Waco. Now, this is one I believe Baylor's won nine out of the last twelve, but Texas Tech uh, hasn't won in Waco since two thousand seven. But you got to remember they played in Arlington for like ten years. I feel like, uh, but they are they they lost their last two in Waco. This a rivalry game. You always got to throw the record books out, but uh, yeah, they haven't. The reality is, is they haven't won in Waco since Mike Leach was uh, the head coach of the Red Raiders, and I don't think it starts. Uh, if anything, I'll, I'll, I'll trust the guy that was on Leach's staff in, uh, in, in uh, Aranda. So I don't think, I don't think Joey McGuire was, but he might've been um, either way. I will take uh Baylor to get it done back at home in Waco in the butt bowl. What are you doing here? It's kind of crazy. that Baylor doesn't play back-to-back road games until two of the last three on the schedule, but being able to come back home and play this game, uh, this could be, I mean, I'm hoping that this, this is a win that kind of pushes them, propels them this little four game stretch they have coming up on the schedule that would really push them towards that over. I think you can, I think you can assume that this is going to be like a three out of four Baylor wins this game, maybe even more than that. Pretty yeah. safe pick Baylor to beat them. There we go. So that would move them. That would move them to four and two. Uh, with one big, t- big 12 loss, they get a bye week and then they head to Nippert stadium to take on the Cincinnati Bearcats. It's October 21st. Maybe it's a little cold, but I, it's still better than playing them in November. So uh, 
and Cincinnati, obviously Luke fickle goes to uh, Wisconsin, Scott Satterfield coming in a slew of transfers in and out of, uh, of Cincinnati. I I'm actually going to take Baylor to win this one on the road. It'll be a close uh, game, but I, I think they can get it, get this done. How about you? I almost more confident in the, the Cincinnati road game and with Texas tech at home. Uh, Cincinnati just got way too many moving pieces right now. Like you said, that it seems like just having continuity it on offense might be much for Cincinnati to keep up with. I yeah. think uh, this would this would be a really important for them to get in one of their three half road games that they have. Uh, I like Baylor here too. Yeah, me too. And then comes Saturday, October twenty eighth, against the Iowa State Cyclones. Um, this is a tricky game for me because I remember last year and man, one of the worst calls I've ever seen, they ejected the safety of Iowa state for a targeting call. That was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Um, I do think Iowa state's flying under the radar. I think a lot of people don't realize that they were in every single game minus the TCU game. Like they should have, they were very close. Remember they were start Brock Purdy had moved along to the NFL. They didn't have uh, they 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 didn't have Brees Hall either, so they had lost both their guys. The learning experiences, I think, were monumental uh, a season ago for the the Cyclones, and this is a, a a game that was a seven point game, like I said. And Baylor attacked that weakness because remember, folks, if you don't recall, Iowa State lost what was supposed to be their starting safety like a week or two before the season. Uh, Ole Miss in their NIL bag opened it up, and all of a sudden the guy leaves the team, goes to Ole Miss. So they were working with their second string safety, who got this targeting call. So essentially, they're going like three deep on the safety spot, and Aranda and Jeff Grimes attacked it every single play. Still a seven point game here, but I think that's uh, Matt Campbell was irate this game with the referee. So I do think this one's a personal game for him. Uh, now, having said that. They have lost two straight in Waco. Now I think Campbell beat them in his first outing uh, in Ames, if memory serves me correct, or maybe maybe that was Paul Rhodes. I think I think it was in seventeen they they won in Waco. That could have been his first year, but they lost uh, by two in two thousand nineteen. They lost by two again in twenty one. You're gonna hate this call. I'm taking Iowa State in an upset in Waco. Am I a maniac? What are you doing here? Now on a couple of the other Baylor previews, this is kind of penciled in as a win, which I certainly don't agree with. I don't hate the taking Iowa State. I think if this game was in Ames, it would be a Noah State victory. But again, it seems like one of the teams like Texas, they just something about Waco recently has gotten them. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and write this down as a win. For the sole purpose of convincing myself that the over is a hard bet, but I, I don't see this being more than a one possession game at all. Maybe throughout the whole game, it might not ever get more than seven or eight points. Yeah, I think this is going to be a super close game, man. I, 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 it's really hard to project this. It really is. The last two games were two point games, uh, so a total of four points that Baylor's won by the last two times in Waco. Um, I just feel like Iowa state's flying under the radar. No one's talking about them. And I think they're going to beat some teams that people are not projecting after that. It we have the seem they're being disrespected quite yeah. a bit from all of the other fan bases in the league. They seem to just be penciling in. Iowa State to win like two or three games this year. 
this sounds crazy. I would not be surprised if Iowa State played in the Big 12 championship. Their margin of error, if you go back and look, last season, uh, I, w- I think they had eight losses, I think, off the top of my head. I think they were four and eight. I want to say uh, seven of those losses were one score or less. And that was with a brand new quarterback and a brand new running back. So to me, you learn how to be better in close games, you know, like critical plays. They should have beat Texas in Austin. So, um, I, I think Iowa State gets them. I mean, I understand that that's incredibly hard to pick the, a lot of these games. Like next up is Houston. Houston, I must, I would assume they beat Houston, but you look at the all time series here. Baylor's only winning this one 14 to 13. Holgerson has had experience coaching in the Big 12. I just think Baylor's better. And the fact it's at McLean Stadium, I think I got to favor Baylor, but I still expect this to be a close game. This is not like one where I'm thinking, like, oh, 35 to 7. No, I think this is probably like 31 24, maybe, maybe 31 21. But give me Baylor to take down Houston. How about yourself? I've got Baylor winning this game too, but I still think Houston, again, they've got a lot of moving parts as well. And seems like a little bit of continuity would do them a lot of good. I've got this one going like 70, 30 Baylor's favor, but it's so deep into the season that by this point in time, they could be two separate teams and what we're even talking about. Yeah. And Houston seems to have that ball culture recently. I mean, they'll get fans behind them if they win two or three games in the beginning of the year. And that could be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I and just think, you know, I think Baylor is going to go with like finally having to deal with back-to-back road games. This is a very important game for them to get under their belt. Very true. And then the back-to-back road games you're alluding to at Kansas state net TCU. I think you're going to go one and one in that stretch. And if I had to lean, I would say you'd probably lose in Manhattan, but win at TCU. If I, I had to bet. Fully. Yeah, if I had to bet, that would be what it is. But that would then give them your fourth loss, so you're not afforded a fifth loss, uh, or you would not be hitting the over. So then they host West Virginia, and see, there's a strong chance Neil Brown's already fired by here. That there's a benefit of getting West Virginia at this at this point. Now it could go either way. It could go that Neil Brown's coaching for a bowl game, uh, like it was a season ago or the year before. But you know, there are, there's a new athletic director in Morgantown, so I personally think. This is going to be an interim head coach in this spot here. I got uh, I got Baylor winning this. I got Baylor going eight and four. I'll take the over. I don't feel great about it because the Big Twelve is incredibly challenging. But when I look and see only four road games, one of them you get a bye before, and that's at Cincinnati, who I think is your easiest opponent uh, out of the road games. I look at the other spots and I say all of them are winnable games. I would say the hardest one would be at K State uh, or UCF. I mean, I don't know, or TC or TC play for the national championship. But either way, I think eight and four is what you're going to end up. Now, I, I I do not advise people. This is not a lock by any means because I could also I could paint me a scenario where they're six and six very easily. I could also paint us a scenario where they're ten and two or nine and three. So. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch the big 12 this year. Obviously the big 12 experience. I'm curious. Uh, so you got them. What you got them at? What's your final record? You got them Texas state and long Island. And I had a um, beating Texas, Texas tech, Cincinnati, Iowa state and Houston. And then I have them go on the road to Manhattan like you do. 
and not not winning that road game. It's going to be, I don't know, I guess if when that UCF game had a road test, but I really don't expect that. And Kansas State's really fucking good. Yeah. Kansas State's going to be a damn good football team this year. Uh, I, do, I don't, it doesn't scare me one of the road games is TCU because Fort Worth is right down the road. So, you know, when it comes to their whole patterns and all that, that they do around game time and game day and the days before, that's not really a tough trip for them. And I can't, I can't let Ryan and Rush beat Baylor again. I mean, Baylor's usually <laughs> that West Virginia game. They've been known to lay an egg in it. So if it comes down to that one, again, definitely not a lock, but if they end up beating a team like Utah in the beginning of the year, yeah, they could go 10 and two or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the lean is slight over slight over the fa- I think they have one of the more favorable schedules with only four home games. You get a buy. I'm mean, sorry. With only four road games, you get a buy before one of them. And that was, you know, your easiest one. Uh, and then the fact you don't have Oklahoma on the schedule, you don't have uh Kansas, who I actually think might be a player this year in the, you know, I wouldn't even be shocked to see Kansas. That's why the carnage is no, going to be crazy in this league. No Oklahoma state who always is Baylor too. Yeah. That the no Oklahoma or Oklahoma state, not having to go into that state and play at all has got to, got to be making all the Baylor fans happy. I mean, it makes me happy. Yeah. And then no BYU, BYU beat you a year ago. So you got that. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Either way, give me the over on the Baylor Bears. I don't love the play, but I will take the over, and I cannot wait to catch Big Twelve college football this season. And uh, look, before we get out of here, I also I I, I want to bring on uh, College Football Campus Tour, aka Michael Barker, uh, to talk about the experience down there at McLean Stadium in Waco. So, without any further ado, here is Michael Barker, aka College Football Campus Tour. Joining us on the college football experience, Baylor Bears 2023 season preview episode is a legend in my mind. Uh, college football campus tour, aka Michael Barker. You're, uh, you look, folks, if you have not followed the Twitter page, and I know I, 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 you're probably, if you're listening to all these previews, you say uh, you're beating a dead horse, Kobe. I don't care. Follow the Twitter page at CFB Campus Tour. He's been to all 133 college football stadiums. And uh, most of the FCS D two, all this, you got to just follow the page. It's like, to me, it's like following, like uh, it's like a documentary on, it's like, uh, I don't know, just like each, each day you, you refresh your Twitter page and all of a sudden you're just like, Hey, this guy's at the Colorado school of mines watching a football game. And then the next day he's at Rhode Island, you know, watching the Rams play anyway, uh, you're great. And I'm excited to have you on the show, Michael. And uh, how you doing, man? Good. Beat that horse, right? Follow, yeah. follow. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, we're 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 previewing. We're filling the the off season here, but we're very excited for the fall, and I can't wait to get started August 26 with week zero. Yes, man. And, and look, let's talk a little Baylor Bears here because they have McLean Stadium, which I have actually never been to. But this is, I think, what one of the newer stadiums, correct? They just spent like two hundred and seventy million dollars, endless money, coming out of Waco, Texas. But uh, tell me about the stadium. Yeah, well, we know McLean, Drayton McLean, was the Kansas City Royals owner. Uh, obviously, Big Twelve team, Waco, Texas. Uh, 45,000 capacity. So it's not one of those 80, 90,000 seats, but it's perfect for, for Baylor. It's uh, the newest P five stadium. It replaced Floyd Casey stadium 
And what's very unique about it, besides just its uh, you know aesthetics and it looks amazing at night when it's all lit up, but it is located on the north bank of the Brazos River. And it is one of the four stadiums in the country where you can do uh, arrive by boat. And they call it sailgating. They have it in Tennessee. They have it in Washington. And then Heinz Field, where Pitt plays, they have it too. So um, it is beautiful, new. It has a gigantic LED video board. And one cool tradition that they have there is they call the Baylor line, which is new students. They, they assign them for each home game. They start on the, the field and they run across the field all together and then they fill, fill the seats right behind the opponent's bench and they just yell at the opposing team the whole time. So it's very cool to get out there and see, you know, hundreds of students running across the field as freshmen for the first time and be placed to yell at their opponent the entire game. That is awesome. And and you hit on something that I, that I, I want to hammer here because you know, a lot of times people think, oh, well, Michigan's got a hundred some thousand, uh, you know, p- seat stadium, and and you know that's that's what makes a great college football stadium. No, no, I I completely disagree. Now I'm not trying to take shots at Michigan Stadium. The big house is the big house. It's cool. It's unique, but. I, I, I don't think you need all that football is just a simple game. That's why I like the, the you know, the, the NFL stadiums like, Oh, we're going to do this. I, I don't need all that. Just give me a cool stadium. And it sounds like this is one of them just 45,140. I see. Uh, but you, you agree though, from your experiences to go, go in all these stadiums. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing you can do, I mean, we're talking about, we just brought up Pitt, who plays in Heinz field. They're not selling out Heinz field. So the worst thing you can do is have a stadium that does not, uh, meet the needs of your fan base. And, you know, when recruits come in and maybe they got three or four official visits and they go and they come into your stadium and there's 25,000 empty seats because you overbuilt, well, you don't want that. So you could always add on. I mean, Baylor is one of the most successful teams in the big 12, but it is, you know, San Diego state just build a new 35,000 seat stadium that's expandable to 50,000 if necessary. So those things will happen, but what you, what you want to do is make it look as filled as possible I have a great game day experience. And I think that combined with the technological advancements at that place, they, they hit a home run. There we go, folks. Well, I got to get to a game out there. Shout out to all the Baylor fans and hopefully Dave Aranda can have that place rocking come uh, 2023 kickoff. Uh, I think they get what Texas state. So looking forward to that and appreciate you hopping on the show, Michael, to talk a little uh, McLean stadium. And uh, right now I'm planning on being at that game week one versus Texas state. So uh, it will be my first time since 2019. Very excited. Hopefully it sticks on the schedule. Oh, that's awesome. Folks, everyone get over to Twitter. Give them a follow at CFB Campus Tour. And look, if you're in the Waco area or just perhaps going to that game, feel free to, to hit up Michael and see, uh, you know, see where he's sitting, see if you can meet pregame or something. I don't know. Grab a beer, something like that. Anyway, uh, Michael. Looking forward to hearing about your experiences to that Texas State game, and thanks for hopping on. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Any, all right, that was Michael Barker, aka College Football Campus Tour. He is fucking phenomenal. I'm telling you, the guy goes to like 700 games a year. Give him a follow. Yeah, imagine imagine going to that many stadiums. It's got to be awesome, man. 
Dude, he goes to like six, seven games in a week. Sometimes he, he's, I don't yeah. even, I don't even want to ask the amount of hours he spends sleeping in a in a rental car. All right, uh, you know, or or at the airport or something. But yeah, he's been to every stadium. You got to check him out on Twitter. And I got to get to McLean Stadium. And folks, uh, look, we're on the over, both of us. All right, and make sure you give Troy a follow on Twitter at Troy. It's Troy Tuning, and he's on. Twitter is his name. All right. You're seeing it on, on YouTube right now. If you're watching youtube.com slash the college experience, but in case you're, you're just listening to it on the audio side, that's Troy. And then tuning C H E W N I N G. Give him a follow folks. And uh, also be sure to check out the big 12 college experience, which is dropping right after uh, the good old 4th of July, uh, the, the birthday of America. What a great time to drop a podcast. Troy, I appreciate you hopping on the show, man. Yeah, man, it was fun. I mean, I know there'll be a couple of other teams that I get to come on here for, which will be exciting. And uh, I told you, I've already listened to the first couple of you guys have put out and they've all been pretty awesome. So you know, keep it up. And even FCS schools is crazy. And you guys, you guys put in a lot. It's awesome what you guys do. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to having you back and sick them. Go bears. Uh, folks, we're on, we're both on the over we're, and we're both on the over here. So jump on over there. If you're a Baylor bear fan and take the over look, subscribe to the college football experience because we're breaking down all 133 teams and the FCS as he alluded to, we do it each and every year. Uh, we are part of the sports gambling podcast. Check out them as well. And the sports gambling podcast network. We also host the college basketball experience. Myself, Ryan McIntyre, Noah Beenick. So Baylor fans, I know you guys are loaded yet again. And the college baseball experience right now. Hey, right now is a great time in college baseball. So check out that uh, podcast as well. We come together as one on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. Check us all out. And like I said, the Big 12 college experience coming soon. So check out that podcast as well. That'll be out on Fourth of July weekend. And look, folks. We're just getting started. College football season. It's college. When you get into June. It's college football season. Let's go, folks. This is the college football experience, Baylor Bear style. You better start thinking about yours. And we out of here. Run and shoot.